Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for, God, every single person that's here. Lord, we thank you that they're not here by accident. But, Lord, you have a uh, specific plan and a purpose for them being here today. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you don't make mistakes. And, uh, Lord, we thank you, God, that not not a single person in here is a mistake. But, God, you have a plan and a purpose for every one of their lives. And, Lord, we just believe today, God, that as we we open the word today, as we open just the treasure chest of heaven, God, that you would speak really clear. Lord, I'm asking today for your anointing. Lord, I'm asking today that you would remove any clutter. And God, that you would just bring this with great clarity in our hearts today. And so, Jesus, just come and and heal us. Come and challenge us and uh, just change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, listen, today we're going to start a, uh, a new series. And, and, you know, if you haven't noticed right here, I like preaching in series. And the reason is, is because uh, a lot of times if you, if you preach a standalone sermon on a subject, you really don't get the whole balance of the thing. You don't really get the whole full counsel of God. And so that's why we, we do series to kind of help certain things get in people. And uh, we repeat things a lot to hopefully help it stay. But anyway, so today we're going to start a new series that we're simply calling Overcomers. And... You know, I will say this. I think, I believe wholeheartedly that uh, this series has the potential to dramatically change our lives. I know I say that a lot, but I just have that much confidence in the Word, right? That, that if we grab a hold of the Word, that the Word can change us. And, you know, as we get going here, if I, if I could just say this, to be honest with you, I wish somebody would have taught this 20 years ago when I began my Christian walk. And then I wish they would have repeated it about every three months. And uh, the, the, reason I, the reason I say that is because, A, I'm hard-headed, but, but also I just think, man, if I would have grabbed a hold of this, what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, but specifically today, if I would have got a hold of that, it would have prevented a lot of heartache in my life. And, and also, it would help me not, you, you know, a lot of times when you're young and you're on fire and you're passionate, you, you don't always do the right thing and you wound people in the process. And, and if I could have got a hold of this as a young man, uh, I believe I wouldn't hurt a lot of people along the way. Is that all right to say that? So, so today, I'm just going to encourage you to do this. I, I, think, I think when we get to the end of this thing, some of you guys are going to be like this. You're going to be like, thank you. You know, I'm not crazy. You know, what I've thought for years, I discerned correctly, you know, basically what was in my past, my past church experience, that's accurate. And I think today can bring healing to you, okay? And I also think there's going to be people in the room today, pardon my language, but you'll say this, oh, crap, I didn't know that was in me. (laughs) And, uh, you you know, even as I was studying, I I went, oh, (laughs) oh, okay, Jesus, I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll work on that. And, and so, you know, so there's going to be some challenging pieces in here. And, and so, you know, but here's the thing. You can, we can either hear the challenging piece and we can somehow dig our heels in and say, okay, well, I'll work on that and I'll do it. Or we can just go, okay, Jesus, I, I need you to do this in me. Am I making sense? All right. So we'll get moving from there. So anyways, if we're aware of it or not, God has called every single one of us to be an overcomer. Do you believe that? Listen, that as his sons and daughters, man, God has called us uh, to live from a position of victory as ones who prevail against the trials, the temptations, and the traps of this world. Now, I'm going to give you three verses real quick, just kind of back that up. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 12. It says, for the accuser of our brothers. Who's that talking about? Some of the devil, right? It says this, it says, who accuses us before our God day and night, he has been hurled down. And it says in verse 11 that they overcame or they conquered or they prevailed against the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's good news, isn't it? And then the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, it says, for everyone born of God does what? They overcome the world. It says, this is a victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And verse 5 is key. It says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes 
believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's us, gang, right? And then lastly, Paul echoes this, and we can give you a lot of verses, but I'm just giving you three. Paul said this in Romans 8.37. He says, we are more than conquerors. That actually means that we are more than victorious through him who loved us. So you see, what I want you to see here is that the moment that you and I transitioned out of the kingdom of darkness and transitioned into the family of God, immediately we gained access to the basically the enabling grace, the empowering grace of God that helps us to live an overcoming life. But how many of you guys know that there's a humongous difference between having access to something and then actually walking in it? See, see, there's a big difference between access and automatic. And the reason is, is let me maybe say it like this. Uh, Lance can, uh, you know, maybe open a door for me, but it's still up to me to walk through the door. Right, So God's opened the door, but, but so often uh, we don't walk through it. And, and the reason is, is because we have this thing that's called a free will. So often we, we're just glad that we're saved, and that's really as far as it goes. But there's a whole lot more than that. Yes? Yeah. If you've ever played Monopoly, the whole collect $200 and go... You, you, you know, you, you keep going around that thing. It's not just one go at it, okay? So listen, so we have access. But, but here's what I want us to see, just kind of setting this up, is, is when, we get, when we get snatched out of the kingdom of darkness, we get put in the family of God, yes, we get saved, right? But when we get saved, nowhere does the Bible say that the enemy quits messing with us. All he does at that point is he begins to change his tactics, and let me kind of show you how these tactics work. In other words, he, he goes, okay, uh, obviously God's uh, you know, moved in their life. Obviously now they've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. So that's broken. And, and the enemy goes like this because he's not a dummy. He says, okay, how can I get them back into bondage? In other words, in other words, he comes and it's not, it's not the same old sin that we carried and we brought to the foot of the cross when we met Jesus. No, he, he says this, I'm wise. I'm going to dress this thing up different and I'm going to make it look humble and I'm going to make it look spiritual. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically take that little cute little Christian and I'm going to deceive them so much that they're going to think that this is how God operates and how a Christian operates. But it's really just a deception and it's not really how it is with God. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like this. I'll give you an example. It's, it's a, um, Romans 8 says it this way. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. So here Paul is, he's writing to people, once again, that are saved. They are Christians. But he's saying, you know what? Because the enemy has come. If you read the rest of the verse, you'll see that basically what happened was the enemy caused them to view God different. And because they viewed God different, they didn't live out of sonship. They began to live out of fear. And that's the same thing that the enemy is still doing to us today uh, with the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Y'all with me? So what happens is, is basically just deceives us and gets us, once again, I want you to see, that's not the same bondage that we had before we were saved, but it's a different kind of bondage that comes that there's many, many Christians that are walking in it and they don't even know it. Okay, so, so here's kind of the goal over the next few weeks is we want to take some time and we want to begin to identify those bondages. Okay, and that's not a scary thing, right? It, I, I just kind of thought this this morning. Man, if somebody lied to me, I'd want to know. If somebody deceived me, I want to know. And, and, and that's the goal over the next few weeks. We want, we want to find out where we have been lied to and where we have been deceived. Right? Because the goal is to identify that thing, and then we have an option. We can either identify it, go, okay, it's there, and I'm going to live with it, or we can can confront it so we can find freedom. And over the next few weeks, my hope is, is that we'll confront that thing so we can get free from it, so we can be the overcomers that God's called us to be. Amen? 
So listen, so the area we're going to talk about today is this. And, and, and don't, don't cringe on me when we start talking about this, okay? Y'all hang tight with me. There's not a person in this room that hasn't encountered this. And there's not a person in this room that hasn't uh, been tested by it. And probably all of us have, have, uh, have dealt with it at some point in our life, meaning we've had to fight it. And it's this. It's called a religious spirit. A religious spirit. And, uh, you, you know, what's so funny about a religious spirit is nobody ever comes up to you and goes, Hey, I just want to let you know i got a religious spirit. You know, the reason they don't do that is because they don't know they have it, right? They, once again, when you are deceived, you don't know you're deceived, right? Nobody willfully walks in deception. These people, you know, once again, us included, man, there's a lot of times that we, man, that we, we get really religious about things and we don't even know. In fact, I'll just say this. I'll jump ahead of myself. Um, I remember when I was 22 years old, uh, I was sitting in church at, down in Lafayette, Louisiana, and this, uh, this woman, I, I can't even remember her name. Uh, I, I got a name in my head, but I think it's wrong. But I remember there was a line of us ministry students, and, you know, here I am, been saved for, I don't know, I think like four years, super, super zealous, like, inferno, like, there, there's, no, there's no wisdom. I'm just on fire, like, you know, full board, let's go get Jesus. And, uh, and this woman walks up, and she begins to pray for me and my buddy Ben, my buddy Nick. And, and, uh, and she begins to uh, basically call out stuff in our lives. And in the middle of her praying for me, I don't remember anything she said except this one statement. She said, Father, I break the spirit of religion off of him. And I remember thinking, sitting there going, you know, I don't know if I need to be offended. <laughs> if I need to... Um, you know, maybe chalk this woman off and kind of disregard her as emotional and crazy, or if she's right. And, and so, I, you know, once again, and you've maybe been there before where, where you've had this moment with God, and there's just like, or somebody's prayed for you, and there's like one thing that sticks out that just won't go away. It's like, a, it's like a, having a briar in your saddle, right? Just, it just won't mess with, you know, won't leave you alone. So anyway, so over the next few months, like I, I moved to North Carolina, that church that we were part of there, and, and I, I sat there in church, and the pastor began to preach on the love of God. And I will tell you this, a religious spirit will show itself when the love of God begins to be preached. Because everything about a religious spirit is opposite of the love of God. I'm really getting ahead of myself here. But, but so what happened was, is I sat there and he talked about how much God, God loved me. Now, I had no problem in my head thinking, well, God loves the sinner, right? That's what he does. But he tolerates me. You, you know, for somehow it seemed that God would love somebody that's not even in the family more than me was crazy. Yeah, right? You, you know, in, in your head you're thinking that. So anyway, so as this guy begins to talk about the love of God, I begin to basically realize how religious I was. Because in my mind, when that woman prayed for me that day, I just thought, you know, once again, I, I would hear that occasionally in the church. And I thought somebody that was religious spirit was basically mean, judgmental, and didn't want the move of God. And I didn't think that was me. So I had such a limited view of it, I really didn't know how it, how it showed in our lives. Okay, so today what we're going to talk about is, is we're going to talk about how that thing uh, shows up in our lives. And, and, and I will just maybe, maybe it's an indicator for you, is uh, just like me, when I begin to hear the love of God and I begin to get really, really, really uncomfortable, that's maybe a great place to start. Okay, in other words, if you don't, if you don't realize how much God loves you, that's a great place to start. All right, so let me show you today real quick what a religious spirit is. A religious spirit is a lie which seeks to substitute or seeks to replace the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives with this. Keyword, performance. 
performance. In other words, let me, let me say it another way, that our relationship with God ends up being based off a bunch of religious activity, a bunch of works that I have to do rather than to just enjoy what's been provided for me through the cross and resurrection. Making sense? See, Second Timothy puts it this way. It says, having a form or having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. See, what happened was is this, and we'll get into this, but maybe it's help you understand, that when that woman prayed over me, looking back, what I realized is that I was trying my best to somehow earn all this stuff from God. Right? In other, words, in other words, I didn't just receive by faith everything that Jesus did for me on the cross. Am I making sense? Good, because I'm not sure. All right, here we go. So let me, let me maybe say this. I'm, I'm hopping all around here. What makes a religious spirit so hard to identify in someone's life is this, is because it, it, it comes off as it's very zealous. So, you know, from the outward appearance, it looks like, man, this person's really zealous for God. They're really zealous for the truth. But the truth is, is it's an ungodly zeal. And uh, so, basically, that's what we're going to talk about today is that ungodly uh, imitation zeal. And, and here's where that thing's rooted in. And uh, it's Proverbs 19.2. simply says this, that it is not good to have zeal without knowledge. Zeal without knowledge. Watch this. When, when you don't, just like the Roman church, when, when, when those guys, what we said a while ago in, in Romans 8, when you don't know the father heart of God, when you don't know your identity in Christ, which is sonship, when you don't know the full counsel of God, meaning his holiness and his grace, his, his, once again, his, uh, you know, his love and his mercy, the whole, the whole package, when you don't get the whole concept there, what happens is, is you're operating from a lack of knowledge. That was me. I was so on fire for the holiness of God, but I had no clue about the love of God. And so the enemy could come in and he could deceive me into basically viewing God as someone who he wasn't. Right? And that's how you become uh, religious. So you can be super zealous, uh, but re- religious. Let me give you an example. Uh, the Pharisees. Can't get more perfect than that. Okay? Nobody wants to say they're a Pharisee, but a lot of times we, we find out there's a Pharisee within us. Okay? Because if you look back at the Bible, man, nobody on earth prayed more than those guys. Nobody fasted more than those guys. Nobody read the scripture more. Uh, nobody had a greater hope for the Messiah, Jesus, to come, right? Who we know as Jesus. They didn't have a clue. Or, or more zeal for the things of God. But watch this. So here was all this zeal and action. They had so much zeal. They, they created so many laws. I mean, they even got so, so detailed in their, in their zeal that they believed that if you spit on the Sabbath day, because the spit would roll on the ground in the dirt, that you were working and you broke the Sabbath. That's a lot of zeal, right? Rednecks would be in trouble because rednecks should walk around and spit, right? So, I mean, it's, but, but the thing is, is here's these guys with all this zeal, but yet here comes God in the flesh and walked among them, and they never had a clue who he was. They did not know him. It was a lack of knowledge. They didn't know who he was. So when you look at the Bible, you find out that, that, that they had the performance thing down pat. They were great at it, but yet they opposed Jesus more than anybody ever, <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, wrap your head around this real quick. Demons would pop up. Jesus would be like, you're done. Gone. The most opposition he had was not from the kingdom of darkness. It was the religious people. So to think about that, here's these people that are anticipating God coming and doing all this. They got all this zeal for God, but yeah, they crucified him when he came. You know, even if you want to get another example, we all love Paul, right? But one time he was Saul, and, and, and he, that man had a tremendous amount of zeal for the things of God while he was persecuting the church. 
You, you know, and think about this. Remember when you look at, uh, what's it, Acts chapter, is it 9 or 10? Damascus Road experience that he, he's laying there on the ground. And once again, uh, you know, Jesus appears and he goes, who are you? Why did he do it? Because he didn't know who he was. It was a lack of knowledge. Okay. So today, you know, obviously we're not here to talk about Paul and those guys and Pharisees. We, we, we want to really uh, discover if we're living in a religious spirit. Okay, and, and I'll say this, this for us to uh, uh, figure out if this is us today, it's going to take a tremendous amount of courage. Is that okay? Yeah. And uh, so, so here's the question that we want, to, we want to ask ourselves today with a great amount of honesty. Next one, please. Yep, why am I zealous for God? Why? Why am I zealous for God? I'm going to give you four quick reasons. Number one, you see it already there. The first reason is this. is A lot of times we're zealous for God because it's fear-based. It's out of fear. And, and basically, the, the religious spirit tells us that we should serve God in order to gain his approval. That it tells us, men, that, that, that the enemy will come and say this. But once again, because you don't really know who God is. You don't understand sonship. You don't understand the Father's heart. Th- then he says, you know what? You've you got to go gain love. You've got to go gain acceptance. You've got to go, uh, go gain his favor. And you've got to do this, this, and this, and this. So it's always we're coming to God out of this position of fear and trembling, but not the good kind, right? But, but it's that kind that just thinks, man, uh, God somehow don't zap me. Right, this this God's the big guy upstairs. He hit me in the head with a hammer. Uh, you, you know, God just are y'all following me? So my my zeal and my passion to want to seek God is really fear based. The the second one is this: it's because of pride. We don't really dress it up as pride, but it really is pride. Uh, in other words, we don't call it that. But the, but basically, this the religious spirit tells us that our relationship with God is based off of our personal sacrifice. In other words, it's not based off the sacrifice that Jesus made. It's all based upon my sacrifice. That basically if I can do enough things and be zealous enough that somehow I can atone for my own sin. That somehow i got to prove myself worthy of what God's done for me. If you've ever said in your word, I'm not worthy, religious spirit. Are you with me? Because here's the thing. Your child has never sat at your table and had to beg for something and said, I'm unworthy. Okay, so if we, what, you know, once again, so if we come and do that to God, we believe to lie. We've, we we don't even have a clue who He is. So you know, it's kind of like this. Some of you may have said it this way. This make more sense. Is and this is where the pride comes in? Is because a person that that is zealous in this way, they put more of a focus on their cross than they do His cross. And when you put more focus on your cross and what you, I gotta die, I gotta die, I gotta die, I gotta die. Then what happens is you become really self centered. And it, and it becomes all about what you can achieve. So once again, God will somehow accept you. So, so right there, there's kind of your power twins. Fear and pride are the foundation of a religious spirit. Let me give you a third reason why we're zealous for God. And there's a reason I'm saying this. It's, it's love. We just love him. Right, that, that there's something in us that says, man, you know, I don't want to do, it has nothing to do with you know, his acceptance. I just want to bring God pleasure. I want to bring him joy. I just want to be thankful for what he's done for me. And, and see, that kind of zeal is from a position uh, that is always focused on a, basically it's focused on God, so it's God-centered and it's not self-centered. All right? Make sense? Number four, the reason I said that third one is because this, because this is where really most of us are at. The fourth reason we're really zealous for God is this. It's a combination of the first three. <laughs> is that not so true? It's like, you know, how many, you know we, we get in here and we start worshiping, and, and, man, it's really love. And, we, and then, we, then we wake up on Monday, and it's fear. 
Wake up Tuesday, I got to go get it. I got to earn this thing. I, I mean, it's what I, what I can achieve. And it's pride. And so what happens is, is we all live in this continual uh, thing where we're being pulled in all three of these directions constantly, and there's no peace that's in us. Right? Because I will say this, and I'll sp- say it from personal experience. A, a person that operates in a religious spirit, they are tormented. They are. They're tormented. And, and, and it's not that they're tormented by the devil. They torment themselves. All right. Y'all good? All right. We're going to switch gears here. What I want to do is I, I, I took like 25 signs of a religious spirit and slammed them into five. All right. So this might come out a little unique. But, but um, yeah. So just know there's more. Just open your heart, but let me give you uh, five ways a religious spirit will reveal itself in our lives, okay? Number one, the individual who's being deceived by a religious spirit will be, number one, unteachable. Unteachable. See, a person who has a religious spirit by nature is above correction and above reproof. See, see, an unteachable person, they do this. They'll hear, watch this, because most of us don't go, wow, I'm teachable, I'm here today, bless God. But, 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 but here's, here's what happens is a is, uh, person who is unteachable, they'll hear sermons or a spiritual conversation, and they'll immediately think that somebody else needs to hear it. Right? Let, let me give it to you. If they're that person that they're in their devotion time and they read something, and they automatically got it, well, that's my sister so-and-so. I better send her that. <laughs> oh, that's brother so-and-so. Now, man, he needs to hear that. And if that's you, if you're, all, if you're always the, the point guard there, it's got to give it to everybody else, you, you know, and, and nothing ever lands for you, there might be a problem, right? See, see the reason is, is the person that's unteachable, here's the way they live. They actually believe that they already know what God is saying. They believe that they already know God's opinion. They believe they already know what pleases Him. So in short, what happens is they make a mistake of thinking God's just like them. See, it's kind of like this, and maybe you've heard it. I've been in church long enough to hear it more than, more than once and more than I'd like to ever hear it again. But an unteachable person says this. You know, I don't need somebody to teach me. God's my teacher. Very scary. Listen, I, you know, I don't, need, I don't need anybody. I don't need to listen to anybody but God. And in fact, Lance said last night, you know, kind of an in things, maybe not around here, but there's that saying uh, that says this, basically, only God can judge me. Right? Well, that's not biblical, but, but that's an unteachable spirit and a rebellious spirit in operation. Okay? So, so let me kind of give you these uh, last three things here. Is what's so funny is, is, is you'll find out you have a religious spirit or not. When, when somebody comes to correct you, the first thing you do before you accept what they say, you have to figure out in your head if they're more spiritual than you are. Does that person, are they more spiritually mature than me? And if they somehow qualify to higher, a higher ranking, okay, I can listen to them. But if I think that they're lower, pff, religious spirit, unteachable heart. Are, are you following me? Or it's this, okay? Or it's, or it's uh, you know, bless God, I go to this church and we believe this. And they go to that church and they believe that. So, you know, I can't receive anything they say. You're unteachable. You're unteachable. See, see there, you know... I'm saying that because I've done those, <laughs> okay? But, but, but there's that part. You know, we don't mean to. We really don't, right? But because in our head we know, man, uh, you know, a teachable person can learn from anybody, even if it's a child. In fact, that's kind of how you get into the kingdom. So, uh, you, you know, that's where we want to be, right? But, but let me give you this last thing about an unteachable person. I think this is hilarious. And, yes, I've done this. So I'm speaking out of personal experience, and that's embarrassing, all right? <laughs> but, but basically, 
Um, an unteachable person, they'll do this. They will tell somebody that they're open and that they're teachable. But really all that is is a ploy to somehow suck that person into a conversation so you can tell them really what you believe and what you think. Y'all never done that. Y'all ain't never done that. But, but, but basically, what, what, what happens is what? Is they, is they, me, still remains uh, you know, closed off and unteachable myself. And that, what that's called is manipulation. Right? It's manipulation. Here we go. Number two. The individual who is being deceived by a religious spirit will be self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. A person who has a religious spirit by nature is preoccupied with their own recognition, their own notoriety, their own reputation. Let me, let me just cut through it. they got to talk about themselves constantly. Listen, a self-absorbed person, th- these people are easily offended when they aren't noticed, they're not applauded, and they're not given an important title or position. A person that, that is self-absorbed, man, they're not satisfied with serving unless the red carpet is rolled out and the spotlight's on them. Right? They, they, in other words, I can't do something unless somebody can notice what I do. Put me up front, Pastor. Right? And it's kind of like this, and this is, this is going to sound hard, but, but usually a self-absorbed uh, person, they're bossy, overbearing, and intolerant towards the weakness and failures of others, yet they have a tremendous amount of grace for themselves. So accurate. Y'all have never done that. Neither have I. Um, and it's this. is really in the heart of a self-absorbed person is they believe that they're called and anointed by God to fix everybody else. Okay? That person typically has not submitted to anybody. Okay? And I don't care who you are in the kingdom, you're called to submit somewhere. Amen? And it's not just to God. Okay? So let me kind of flip this. Or the, so self-absorbed people can be that way in a real cocky, arrogant way. But re- remember, we said that a religious spirit will show itself in pride and will also show, also show itself in fear. So a, a person that has uh, basically once again self-absorption, they, they will literally swing the other side of the pendulum as well to this thing called self-hate. And the reason is, is this person, uh, they have a real unhealthy, uh, for lack of a better word, anguish over their sin and failures. It's like this person that, that once again, that's self-absorbed, they're self-absorbed with their sin. And, and they're, so, they're so self-absorbed with it that they live in constant condemnation, basically because they think they're just trash and they're unworthy of everything that Jesus has done for them. You, you know, we got to get in our head this. Obviously, we don't, we, you know, Jesus said, go and sin no more. We get that, right? There's, there's a balance to all this stuff, okay? But, but you got to understand, he knows our frailty, and he didn't run from us. Right? Even, let me say this for you guys to even kind of help you. Remember when Jesus was basically standing there in the temple and, and he pointed out the publican that said, uh, you know, beating on his chest? <laughs> I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. While there was the Pharisee, I thank you that I'm not like that guy, but I fast every day. I do. Uh, who, who said, Jesus, which one did Jesus say walked away in a good spot? Right? But, but I think there's this side that, guess what, that, that, in other words, my point is, is yes, it's good to have repentance, but Jesus didn't just like, you know, get on him and say, you're a dog, you're da-da. No, you're good, go, man. You're good. Thanks for repenting. Move on. Are, are y'all with me? All right, number three. Uh, a person, once again, that's uh, being deceived by a religious spirit, they are critical. They're critical. They're critical. This has probably been my, my, my biggest battle with all these. And, and I think, let me maybe say this off top. Um, if you are discerning, this is going to be the one you're going to fight the most. 
Okay, another, do you guys get what I mean by that? If, if, if you're the kind of person that walks in the room and you, and you basically can discern the atmosphere, if it's godly, if it's evil, what's going on, all those things, this will tend to be the one that will get you. Okay? Did that go over everybody's head? Yep. Okay. All right. I don't know how to say it better than that, so Jesus fill in the blank. All right, there we go. So listen, but a person who has a religious spirit by, by nature focuses on what is wrong with others while they remain blind about their own faults. See, a critical person will do this, is they always look for and they even thrive on finding what is wrong with people and finding out what's wrong with ministries. And, and, and basically, let me say it this way, that, that's their default, that's their, that's their go-to, that's the thing that they do first. As they walk into place and they go, how can I find the negative? They walk into a relationship, how can I find the negative? Instead of sitting back going, okay, what's good and what's right? And, and, and maybe even this, here's the really mature approach, is even if it's out of order to stop and pull back and go, okay, God, what are you doing there so I can partner with you? Right? You, you know, I, like, like, let me say this. You know, people come to church, well, bless God, they don't have this, this, and this, and this, and this. I'm not going to be a part of it. That's what a critical person says. Unless this thing is perfect, I don't want to be a part. The only problem is, is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the helper. Uh, man, he's a part of a lot of things that aren't perfect because he's part of us, right? So that mentality is not of God at all, right? So anyways, back to the critical guy here. Uh, th- these people can typically quote the Bible with the best of them, but, but, their, but their motive in quoting the Bible is never to build up, never to encourage. It's always to tear down, always to tear down, always to damage, always to divide. And, and usually these guys, like I said previously, uh, you know, they can point out problems with, with great accuracy, but, but seldom, watch this, do they have solutions for the problem. In other words, they, they, you know, so it's easy to point out what's wrong, but, but they can't go, okay, you know, I, I see that this is going on, but man, I've been in prayer, and I believe that this is the thing that will help bring breakthrough in that area. We could do X, Y, and Z, and that will help in the spiritual growth of that matter. It will bring life to that matter. Does that make sense? So, you know, this person, how they normally get to kind of where they're at is this, is, is they, they're really just suspicious. It's a false discernment. They're just suspicious. And, and basically, typically, these people are, um, they deal with past rejection and past insecurities. And, and so they have kind of like this inward axe to grind. And, and it's like they're, they're simply, by pointing something out that's wrong, uh, they somehow... Uh, it makes them feel better about themselves. Is that not true? So, so, let me, so let me maybe say this, okay? And this is a tough pill to swallow. But, but I'm not so sure if we're ever more like the devil than when we're critical. The reason I say this is because, once again, what did we read a while ago up top in Revelation 12? That he's the accuser of the brethren. So if we get around the body and all we want to do is talk about what's negative in him, we sure are acting a whole lot like him. Right? God, don't you see what's wrong with that person? Yeah, he knows. So let me give you, let me give you another thought here, and, and we'll move on. If a person's critical heart uh, goes unchecked, it will cause them to fall into spiritual perfectionism. And here's what I mean by this, and y'all please listen to this, okay? A person that has spiritual perfectionism, they see everything as black or white, This requires every person, every teaching, every ministry to be judged either 100% right or 100% wrong. There's no middle ground. And and let me maybe kind of help you all with this. 
is um, Jesus is the only one that can, can somehow comply with that. Are y'all with me? Yes? Does, you know, did Paul not say, man, that we all know in part? So listen, everybody look here, please. Maybe I'll talk louder, wake everybody up. All right, here we go. Is that, is that there's not a ministry or a, a person that knows in full. So, so why would we get mad at them? Because they don't know it all. They can't know it all. They're not God. Right? Well, bless God they don't have this. That's because they know in part. Yes. So, so let me say this to you. This is why I personally struggle. And this is, this is I'm, I'm going to step on a pedestal for a moment. This is why I personally struggle with ministries or people who feel like it is their prime ministry, their prime mission in life. It is their call to basically, uh, you, you know, tear down, expose ministers and ministries. Something's wrong with that. It, you, you know, so me personally, man, I stay, I stay away from every blog, every website, every YouTube video, every, every single thing that everybody gets on their high horse and wants to bring down somebody. You know why? Because that's the accuser of the brethren. Are y'all with me? So listen, I'm encouraging you guys to stay away from that stuff because all it's doing is bringing division in your heart. That's it, okay? And, and, you know, once again, there is no perfect ministry. We only serve a perfect God. That's it, okay? It is our job, what? To love those people. Is there people that do stuff that's, that's weird and wrong? Yeah, guess what? We're probably doing something weird and wrong too. Right? There, there, there's got to be a humility in this, gang. Right, and and here's what here's can I give you a caution in this? And here's what's scary about those ministries: the Bible says you will reap what you sow. Right, with with, with the measure that you have, it will come back to you. And so that's scary. So you know, I rather personally for our church, okay, I would rather us man um, people people view us with grace and mercy because we're going to need it, (laughs) right? Because we're not going to do everything right. It's impossible. Number four, and this is kind of a weird, a weird title, but hey, we're going to go with it. Basically, a person that, that's being deceived by a religious spirit, they'll be a scorekeeper. Y'all, y'all, y'all wake up with this one. A person who has a religious spirit by nature puts more faith in what they do than in the Lord's sacrifice. Let me explain. A person that's a spiritual scorekeeper will do this. They live to check all the boxes. Here's how much I prayed. Here's how much I read. Here's how many services I did. I went to small group. I went to prayer meeting. I, 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 I. And, and, and here's the thing in, in their heart, and here's why it's from a position of pride, is because it's always got to be more than somebody else. Let's get honest. Bless God, I was there, and they weren't there. I was, they, they, they think there's something, but they weren't there. I bet they didn't read 75 chapters in the Bible today. I read, I read Psalms 119 seven times today. That's the Lord's number. Right? If you didn't get that, go read Psalms 119 today. <laughs> read it seven times. You'll be there a while. Right? So, so basically, th- this person, if, they're, if we're honest, these people, they got to gotta check the box. Uh, it's always motiva- motivated by who's watching them. Always. It's always. B- because in their heart, they got to know how they stack up. They got to know how they compare to everybody else. And what happens is that really comes from a part of them that's got to be uh, competitive. It comes from insecurities. It comes from part that's got selfish ambitions. And, you know, another thing that these people do, and, and you got to love them, is, is they get so fired up about their revelations, their giftings, their accomplishments, their spiritual disciplines, their sacrifices that they made, all their efforts. And the reason, you know, they're so fired up is because they tell everybody. Y'all getting quiet on me. 
fasting for 40 years. I've had nothing but water for 60 days. Do I look like it? You know, last night God gave me a dream, and here's what he's doing for the... Listen, can I, give you, can I give you my honest thought on that? Fair enough, okay? I'm going to give it anyways. So, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a story basically where this, where this king brought this person in and showed him all the treasures. Look at everything I have. Look at everything I have, right? And there's times where, guess what? Well, God will show us something that's secret that he wants between, to be between me and him, you and him. And, and when we go and we got to tell everybody, it's just like that. So you had to show them the treasures of the king's chamber, did you? Are you with me? And, and sometimes we go, why isn't God showing me more? Maybe it's because he can't trust us with it. Are you, are you with me? It's, it's a, it, listen, if you are prophetic in here, when God gives you something, at the same time pray and go, do I need to tell somebody? Are you with me? It, you know, I'm personally leery of every person that's got to tell everybody everything. And, and the thing is, you know, once again, I'm not doubting that they heard from God or something like that. But most of the time when God shows us something, he just really wants us to pray. Can we get that? To pray. And then wait for clearance to go say something. And sometimes, can, can I, I'm going to tell you what's coming to my heart right now. Okay, is, is simply this, is that sometimes because we don't wait and we don't pray about things, then when we go talk to people, we're only giving them part of the message. So you're shortchanging what God really wants to do in somebody's life. Yes? Yes. All right, here we go. Um, two things and we'll move here. Is this, is a person that, that's this... Um, that's this, how did I even word a while ago? That's good. The scorekeeper. The person's kind of like that. They, they got to do this. They have to, and, and I don't know why we do it, but we impose our, our uh, self-made checklist on somebody else as if we're the standard. I do this, so you have to do this. That's religious spirit. But, because, see, p- part of it is this. And I'm not saying, obviously, there's things that we can do to help people to grow and all that. So there's a balance. But a lot of times what we do is this is we'll take and we'll heap our walk on somebody that doesn't have the grace to walk in it yet. And it's really unfair for them, and we really set them up for failure instead of walking in the life that God's called them to. Right, y'all follow me? That, that's why I have a... I, everybody listen to me, okay? Because it's my heart that we would all be disciples. We're all called to it. If, if, if I'm here and Ben's way over there, why am I going to somehow say, Ben, get over here? It's not the way it works. Jesus didn't do that. It's our job as the more mature believers to walk to where they're at, to take them by the hand, and then go, okay, man, we're going we're to do this together. Are y'all following me? So, so it's like, it's, it's kind of like this. I'll give it to you in a real simple thing. If I'm mature enough and I can go, in, and I can go pray for three hours, I don't say, you get over here and you pray for me for three hours. If you don't pray for three hours, you don't love Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am dumping a religious spirit on them. Instead, I go here and go, man, you can pray for five minutes, dude. That's awesome. Come on, let's pray for five minutes, bro. And what happens is, is that five minutes is going to go six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. And he's going to learn how to talk to God. Are, are you all following me? And then, you know, after a while, we're going to make it. Right? But it's not a competition. It's just, man, the grace has been deposited. The grace has been deposited. The grace has been deposited. And we help them grow. You all with me? We have ran so many people off by trying to make them get here. Stop. 
please, for the love of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Last thing about this person that does this, and I'll move on. That's just personal preference there. Now, you just got to trust me there, okay? Is, is this, is a person that is a person that's always got to check that box. They live with this sense. Uh, they walk into the room and they sit down. There's Bob. I'm closer to God than all these people because I check those boxes. Have you ever done that? Show up at your small group? The stuff. The man has arrived, right? Don't be like that. All right, last one. And, and I changed the wording, y'all, so I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. Um, number five is this, is a person, basically, they're being uh, deceived. Religious spirit, they'll have a mar- martyr. It says something different there, but right now, complex. A martyr complex. This is a person who, um, by nature, they believe that God has chosen them to suffer for his glory. Now listen, we're all called to suffer for the glory of God. We're all called to die. So get, hear this and what I mean though. Is this person that lives with the martyr complex, they perceive that any rejection, any correction, any disagreement that they have, uh, that they face, is the price that they must pay to stand for the truth. You, you know, it's almost like, listen, I, I wish I could convey what I see here. It's, it's this. It's almost like God just goes, man, you know, I really needed help with that. You know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take another rejection. Thank you for taking that from me. Does that make sense? Jesus, I'm, I'm glad I could help you. Y'all think that's weird, but I've met those people. I'm like, man, he's a big boy, y'all. Right? Did he not hang on the cross with the whole sin, of, sin and rejection of the whole world? He can, he can handle it, right? But somehow we think, man, that, that, that you know, it's... Man, that God somehow chosen us to carry more weight, to pay a greater price, to stand up where no other believers will. You know, why I'm taking one for the team, bless God. Come on, man. L- listen, n- no, you know. Why won't anybody else intercede? I have to be here for today. No. Just do your part with a good heart, right? Do your part. Okay? Am I making sense, you guys? All right. L- listen, I, I believe, we're, we're kind of ending those, but I, I believe this. Um, that we're all subject to those things, or, or at least pieces of those things. We're all, we're all subject. If, if you've walked with God for an amount of time and some of that didn't hit you, I'm so jealous. Okay, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. But because You know why? Because I'm saying things because that's the road I've walked. Are, are you with me? I'm saying, so listen, there's no judgment in that. You know, even in, you know, I felt like I needed to preach on this. So I went and studied it, like I said earlier. And I went, man, I thought that was gone. Oh, oh. Because I never studied it before. You know, you just go off what people hear. Oh, bless God, that's not me. Those people are. Can, let me maybe stop. Can I, can I say something to you guys? Good, because I'm going to. Um, like I'm asking for permission here. Um, can I tell you what I think some of us realize today? Is, is this, is that, is that some of us in this room have become what we hate. You know, I spent so much time mad at legalistic and religious people that I became them. See, see there's something, if you've ever sat back and studied the soul, for you guys that are in that small group, 
the powerful thing about a soul is this, is it becomes what it beholds. Right? So, so what you behold, what you always put your attention to, you will become. That's why we spend all this time, Jesus, we love you, so we can become more like him. Right? But if I'm always going to God and i got to complain about, oh, oh sister so-and-so, that's religious as can be. And if I'm mad at that church and I'm mad at this church and bless God, they did me wrong here and she did me wrong there. And then guess what? After a while, I'm going to become that. You'll hear me. Because I'm, you know, I'm setting myself as judge and jury for all that instead of just going, Jesus, it happened. Heal me. Let's move on. Right? And, uh, you know, so it's just funny. I, you know, I just, I guess kind of my prayer in that is, is that we would go, uh, man, if that's me, God, forgive me. But because, let me maybe say it this way. You, you can hate legalism, legalism so bad that you get, you get legalistic in your hate for legalism. Does that make sense? It, it, it's like, uh, you know, we just become the other side of the coin, Right? And, and, and it's almost like, uh, if I could just say it this way, I think it's so funny. And this is everywhere, but it's definitely prominent in our culture. Part of the reason why I want to talk about this today is because, um, because this is really deep-seated in our region. Right? And, and so many people, I've said it before, but they don't want to go to church because of this. And so they're rejecting Jesus. Watch this. The same way the enemy has deceived us into getting religious He's basically deceiving them and thinking that that religion is God. And it's not God. And so they're rejecting a God that they don't even know. And I just got this crazy belief that if people could see Jesus for who he really is, they'd run to him. So it's all the more reason why we got to, man, Jesus, I want to be like you. I don't want to be the accuser of the brethren. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want all this crap in my life. God, help me be the overcomer so people can see you. Right? And so... Anyways, our, our region's got to be healed of this, plain and simple. And so let, let, me, let me say this. Um, let me give you what I think, it's my opinion, of what I think the only thing that's going to get this out of our lives. And I'll quit talking, all right? 1 John 4.8 says, there's no fear. If I can add a word there, there's no performance in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Pretty good, huh? So simply, simply this, that wherever we're at today, here's really what we need. Watch this. If we're critical, man, we need to, get, we need to love people. That's it. Jesus, help me love people the way you love them. If, if I'm sitting there and I'm that person that's got to check the box, check the box, check, God, somehow open my eyes and, and God, let me see your love for me. Yes. Make sense? That, that whatever it is, any of those five things, once again, it is the love of God that drives out pride and drives out fear. We got to have it. Yes. Right? So that's our verse. That's our address. If you want to get free of it, grab a hold of that verse and wear that thing out. Right? That's what we do. Listen, that's what we do. Here's an issue. Here's what the Bible says. Go get what the Bible says. That's simple, right? Because that is the only way to freedom. That is the sword. Now, now watch this. Everybody, is everybody okay for a second? Watch this. When I say everybody's guilty there, somehow we're all guilty. So don't, no sin, uh, no shame, no condemnation on you today at all. At all. Not an ounce. Okay? Just, just Jesus, help me be an overcomer. Amen? So let's pray, and, uh, and we'll be done. And, um,
Jen will come up and she'll, she'll bring us home. All right? So just kind of close your eyes. So, Lord, we just get honest before you today. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you're not a God of confusion and you're not a God of condemnation. In fact, Lord, we thank you that you even said in your word that when our heart condemns us, that you're greater than our heart. So, Lord, thank you. Just, you know, before we deal with it, God, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you care for us. Thank you for your awesome plan that you have for our lives. Thank you for all the promises that you have released over our lives. And so, Lord, today, uh, we're just asking, God, if any of those things, uh, you know, resonated in our hearts and we said, man, that's me. Uh, Lord, we thank you that there's a, there's a, a way of life that leads us out of that. So, Lord, today we just release that life, and, Lord, we release that love over us today. God, if we need a greater revelation, God, of who you are, uh, just the Father heart of God, and, uh, Lord, how much you care for us, how you love us, God, help that thing. Just uh, let's help us to grab a hold of that in Jesus' name. Lord, if we're in a spot where we just need, uh, man, just go, man, I need to even love myself. I need, or I actually need to love people. Lord, we're asking, God, that those two great commandments... To love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. God would just come alive in us. And Lord, we just thank you that, once again, there's no torment in love. But Lord, perfect love casts out all fear. So Lord, we're just asking God that all this religious nastiness mess would be casted out of us. And Lord, if there's somebody that, that maybe is in our past, God, that we've been mad at because they treated us like that. Lord, we just forgive them too. God, it's a new day. And uh, Lord, we just uh, walk in a... And a new path and just forgive and love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.